You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Okay, so uh, did you know that Jesus, we're studying the choleric temperament, we started studying that last week. Did you know that Jesus was choleric? Well, he was right here. Uh, This is a choleric temperament. But remember this, Jesus was also sanguine. He was also melancholy. He was also phlegmatic. Jesus was the perfect man, and he actually actually demonstrated all of these, I would say, equally uh, because he is our model uh, and our example, and and we'll see that in just a moment. Uh, So the, the, the good thing is is that there's full provision in Christ and in the grace of God for the sanctification that we need in our temperaments, which is to say, for our temperament, for the way that God made us to be put into God's hand and used for the glory of God. Um, Now, as we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, again, he is the model man. We know that he's much more than that. He's the God man. He's God the Son. He's the Son of God. But he was indeed uh, the God man. Uh, He shows us in real life how and what a man should be. And for every one of our temperaments, there's an example, and we can look to him. Uh, now, in the life that we behold, in his life, we can behold all four temperaments uh, about which we have spoken and what we're going to speak more in detail about. Uh, the melancholy temperament. The Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, but it was sanctified and free from any stain of sin. He was uh, a man of sorrow acquainted with grief, but he was calm and he was uncomplaining. He never complained. As we're going to see, melancholy's one of the weaknesses can be complaining, but he never complained. Uh, He had the peace and the love of God through his sorrows and through his grief. Uh, And we'll get into a lot of these, just if you'll bear with me, but uh, the phlegmaticas we'll talk more about later. Uh, We see that, uh, that... with the Lord Jesus Christ, we see this in his calmness, in his peace, in his silence, uh, because again, when we get into the melancholy, I talked about those boys walk, or the phlegmatic, you see those boys, they were just just mellow and calm and not in a hurry, Uh, but you can see there's a peacefulness also on the strength side, but he wasn't lazy, because that's a weakness of phlegmatic, is that they can be lazy. They can come across lazy even when they're not being lazy, just because they're so cool and calm about things. But, but Jesus was lazy, but he was peaceful. He was calm. Uh, now you say, well, we just read Matthew 21, and he didn't seem very calm there because the, the situation didn't call for it. And Jesus is the perfect man. None of us are perfect men or women. Therefore, we all have different temperaments, and that's why together uh, we, uh, you know, individually we accomplish a purpose. But remember, ultimately, as God's people, we're a part of a church, and a church is supposed to work together and together we can accomplish and people fill in their, their different roles the same way in a family oftentimes. People fill in their roles and, and strengthen where other people are weak and so forth. Uh, sanguine. Uh, Jesus, we don't think about this. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But we also see that there's times where uh, we see the joy of Jesus. We see his, uh, his definite just love and interest of people. We see his great storytelling ability. Uh, you know, some of these sanguine uh, uh, temperaments. And then, of course, we talked about uh, the verse just now, the uh, choleric temperament. 
but the, but the main thing to understand is that uh, there's provision. There is provision for daily sanctification. There's provision for strength in whatever the weaknesses of our temperaments are. To the choleric, he prescribes by his example and in his words the spirit of love. To the sanguine, he says that if it would be that if they if they would build a tower, you must first sit down and count the cost. Uh, to the phlegmatic, he says, if a man will come after me, let him deny himself, uh, because there can be a selfishness to well, each of these. But uh, to the melancholy, longing for sympathy, he says, lo, I am with you always. Uh, dreading the difficulties and dangers of an earthly life, he says, in the world you shall have tribulation. But again, he says, be of good cheer. So through the power of God, through the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, through his example, we can see each of these temperaments displayed in a godly manner because he's the God-man. He had no sin whatsoever. He, he had no uh, fault in him whatsoever. So it's important and encouraging to see these different temperaments displayed in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's another thing that God uses, and I mentioned it already. God also uses the preaching and the teaching and the ministry of our brothers and sisters in the church to help us and encourage us along the way with our, with our weaknesses as well as our strengths. Again, both by example as well as by words. So... That's just a little introduction that I, I may refer back to that several times throughout the rest of this series because I just thought it's important to see that. Now, we are, we're going to try to finish today the study on Captain Choleric. We started off by reading about the, uh, learning about the first two uh, extroverted temperaments. What's the first one? Sanguine. What's some of the things that we know about a sanguine? Go in the room mouth first. That's one of the best ways to remember a saying. When they go into the room mouth first. Uh, what's something else about a saying? Love, Love being around people. Like being the center of attention. Um, absolutely. Uh, optimistic. Yeah, uh, saying one's uh, uh, optimistic. One reason they're optimistic, they don't really see very far. They, they're just, they're very much in the moment. Uh, another thing about the sanguine is if you get a sanguine talking about a sanguine, they might go on about it for a while. So I'm going to try to move on. But we see that a sanguine is extroverted. A sanguine is people lover. And that is a big part of my temperament. And by the, by the test I've taken, it's a predominant part of my uh, temperament. But not necessarily, uh, I, I, the phlegmatic is there very close as well. Uh, you know, I've mentioned my sister-in-law so many times, but uh, she is, she's one of the uh, most, she's one of the best examples I can think of of, of what a sanguine looks like. She is uh, very, very sanguine. But, but then we started looking at the other extroverted temperament, and what do we call that? Choleric. And these are weird terms. Where do, where do these terms go back to? Do you remember that part? goes all the way back to like ancient Greece and Hippocrates. The uh, kind of they, they consider him like the father of medicine or whatever. He's one of the first doctors. Um, huh? <laughs> okay. Uh, did I say the right doctor? Anyway, uh, no, I have it in my notes, so I forgot. But uh, a melancholy would always have that in their notes, amen? And a melancholy would just stay with their notes and not keep drifting off like that. That's a whole other uh, thing that we'll get to. But... We're talking about the other extrovert, a cleric. Uh, extrovert, organizational. Uh, now, a couple things about the cleric. We went over these last week, but let's try to get right, dive right into it this, uh, this morning. Uh, a couple, just the, the, the marks of a cleric is that they're quick, 
they're active. They're active people. Uh, they're people that always want to be doing. This is the doing temperament. This is the get the job done temperament. I'll probably refer to that several times. They do it. Uh, while other people might want to sit around and talk about it, while other people sit around and daydream about it. Uh, Cleric has no time for that. Uh, well, let's sit down and talk about the best way to proceed. No, let's get with it. Let's have a vote. No, let's just do it. Uh, you know, can I put, you know, well, what if this? No, hush, please. We got something to do, all right? They are doers. Um, they're active. They, they're, they, they're not too content just to sit around. Uh, they, may, they may struggle. Uh, they may not be people that love to sit down and watch a lot of movies or TV because they'd rather be doing. Sitting down, it's almost like they're nervous. That playing a game or something like that may be different, but uh, they, they like to go. They're active, uh, very practical, and we'll talk about some of these very strong-willed, very determined, uh, and that is, again, uh, every one of these are strengths, but every one of them could also be weaknesses. But think about a strong-willed person. I, I think, and you know, last week I referred to uh, Melanie a lot, and at the risk of uh, just digging myself further, but strong-willed. But here's the thing about being strong-willed. Uh, I mean, temptation is different, I feel like, for a choleric person. You know, I, I think about food, for instance. Um, you know, I think about the times and I've, that, that Melanie has asked me, for instance, if we bake some cookies. Uh, man, I love cookies. Toll House cookies, I mean, I just, uh, a, a, sort, a bunch of other cookies, too. Keep your store-bought ones, all right? Uh, keep, you can have those, but you, get, you bake me some cookies. I'm not, don't bake me some cookies, please. I'm trying to watch what I eat, because here's the problem. If, if, if I bake, number one, if I have them, here, just here's an example of me. I have cookies in the house. We bought them for the kids. We bought them for a special occasion. Guess what's gonna happen with those cookies as soon as I see them? Maybe as soon as they get home from the store. They're, they're, they're getting prepared and going into the oven and bring, getting brought out and being ate. Uh, I, I used to, back uh, thinking about nine years ago, uh, I was about 30 pounds, uh, 20 to 30 pounds heavier uh, back in those days. And one reason why is I would sit, I don't know how many times a, a week that I would sit and eat at least a dozen cookies. Uh, you know, so several times during the week, I'd just sit and eat a dozen cookies. Um, so, I, so when I started trying to lose weight, I'm just like, you know what, uh, I'm, uh, uh, I, I've just got, I gotta cut the cookies out, no more cookies. I uh, can't have them, don't want them around me. And Melanie's just like, well, I don't, I don't understand. Why don't you just eat, just eat one cookie? See, she has willpower. She, do, she, she can do a cleric person. They, they do what they want to do. Oh, here's this great temptation of whatever it is. I don't want to do that. Now, if a cleric decides they want to do it, they're not apologetic for it. See, a cleric's not going to sit around and complain like, oh, I just can't help it. I just keep doing No. You know, they might be over there eating the cookies, but if they are, they're just like, get over it. Don't worry about it. This is what I want to do. You know, so it's not that they're, uh, they're willpowers. They just do kind of what they want to do. And so if, if they just make up their minds, nope, don't want it. Uh, so, uh, you know, and I, I think of so many examples uh, like that. Which it's funny. Here, here's a saying one in a cleric in the same house. There's maybe a melancholy side to this, too, but... Uh, Get, bring, get a snack. Anybody ever get something that you love at the store? You go to the grocery store, you get your special treat or whatever. You don't get it all the time, but maybe this particular time you get, you know, some ice cream or whatever the case may be. Okay. Uh, there's one of us 
that can get that special treat and bring it home and if it's ice cream put it in the freezer and leave it there uh, there's another one of us I've already told you that's just going to dig right into it and eat the whole gallon or half gallon or whatever it is uh, right now sanguine just yeah they, they just they, they want it they're going to have it uh, right now because it's all about right now uh, but a cleric can say you know what and this goes for the melancholy as well, I think, so we'll tie into that. But, there, but, but as far as the willpower goes, they can say, I can wait, and I don't need all the calories, and so I'll just eat a scoop uh, or something versus just throwing down the whole thing because one has willpower, one doesn't. But here's the funny thing. Melanie will get a snack or a treat, and she'll go to the store on Monday. Friday, she finally decides, you know what? I think maybe now I would like a, to get into that ice cream or get into something like that. But now if, you, if, you're, if you're that person and you live with the other person, you're like, where's the, where's the ice cream? Where's the chips? Where's the whatever it is? And you know, and I'm sitting there like, you mean that you bought a week ago? It can be yesterday, honestly. You mean that you bought yesterday? I mean... I, th I thought you must have already had all you wanted because it's already been in the house for like 20 hours. I figured you surely by that time, you see, I mean, but there's this willpower. I mean, there's just this thing of if they set their minds to doing something, they're going to do it. Uh, they may not want to lose weight, and they don't care what you think, but they're not going to sit around and complain about it. They're not, they, they're, not, they're not complainers. But if they set their minds to lose weight, guess what they're going to do? They're going to lose it. Uh, why? Because they have this crazy determination. Um, and those are just some practical examples. But to say someone has the choleric temperament means that he has a strong inner drive. Such a person applies themselves to their undertakings with firm, energetic determination, willing to go great lengths to achieve what he deems uh, worthwhile. Thus, their strong resolve, uh, which their strong resolve against neither good or evil in itself, the good or the evil lies in the use of this determination. Uh, if their chief goal is, for instance, amassing wealth, uh, they, they do whatever it takes to get the job done. And so if, if that's the goal, then their temperament may be misused to gain money because uh, it may be at others' expense because, again, it's about the bottom line. It's about, what, it's about what is the goal, and that goal needs to be accomplished. But if he seeks to assist the suffering, he may be the one funding hospital, or founding hospitals or devising improvements for poor neighborhoods. Um, someone of a different temperament could also do these things, but such a characteristic of determination can help in these pursuits. The choleric's drive tends to be both a gift and a challenge. Uh, they often have a strong sense of what ought to be, which can be a great stimulus in their efforts to improve a situation, but can also lead to frustration when they cannot realize their ideal. So this is the way it ought to be. But when it's not that way, it can get frustrating. When things don't go the way they're supposed to go, it can be a little frustrating. But it can be more frustrating when people don't do, you know, what they expect or what they think ought to be done. But, uh, but again, that doesn't mean they have to lose their temper. If in the flesh, that's the big, the, one of the big weaknesses is anger of this temperament. But when we talk about temptation, the temptation for a choleric is anger. 
um, is to, uh, to yield to um, being unreasonable uh, because of their high ideals. Uh, and, and the challenge for such a person is to control their drive with reason. And this is hard for a cleric. You know, we're going to get this done. Let's go. Gun goes like, wait a second. That's not reasonable if we just, you know. And so uh, sometimes uh, reason isn't always there. I mean, again, they're, they're practical. But again, it's about getting it done. Um, to remember that life will always be imperfect. Uh, and to be at peace with their limitations and the limitations of those around them is a challenge for a choleric temperament, but God can give them that help because it's one of the things that may be hard for a choleric to come to a realization of is their limitations. And it may be hard if they actually begin to realize some of their limitations to admit those limitations. Um, and it's very hard also to accept the limitations of others. Just, just perform, just do what you need to be doing. Again, there's that do uh, attitude that's behind it. The cleric who learns to use and control uh, their firm and persistent spirit, knowing uh, what they ought to do and how much to expect from themselves can be a natural or can be a force uh, to achieve great good. Uh, again, I've said it before, but the cleric gets the job done. Uh, and that's one of the great things. If you want something done, give it to a cleric. Um, I mean, because that's the person that's going to get it accomplished. When there's, not that the other temperaments can't, but it's not as natural. It's more of a struggle to get done. See, uh, I think about myself with my, with my temperament, with me being an outgoing person, with me being a people person, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know, people, people have asked a lot of me throughout the years. People want me to run this particular group or lead this, uh, you know, small organization or whatever the, the case may be. And there was a time in my life where I had a real, and here's another sanguine temperament. I know we're on choleric, but they have, have a hard time saying no to things. <laughs> but here's the bad thing about it. Uh, I have a hard time saying no to stuff, but I'm telling you, once I take on, you know, I was doing Cub Scouts, and I can't remember some of the other things that I had going on. Uh, you know, I was the Cub Master. I'm like, where's that come from? Uh, but I didn't, I didn't say no. But, but again, but this guy would be good for it. Uh, but I'm not good for it because I lost interest in it, and I don't have time for it. Uh, I've got church that's more important. But, uh, but, the, but the bottom line is, is that for me. I'm going to procrastinate, more than likely, that's the way I would lean, and therefore, some of those things aren't going to get done. You get me in, in charge of some of these projects at church, it's not good. It's a challenge for me, amen? Uh, those that are choleric, those that are melancholy, man, they get things done. The choleric gets it done, and a melancholy, uh, you know, they're, they're involved. If you're melancholy choleric, you're getting it done, and you're getting it done right. Uh, and so there's, um, uh, you know, because so, cholerics want to get it done right, but the main thing is get it done. Uh, but if you've got that melancholy side to you, too, you want to get it done, you want to get it done right. Those are the people that need to really be running things, really need to be the person in control. It's not that we can't do it. It's just that we're not very naturally good at it. We sit around second-guessing all the time. Indecisive. I don't know. Why? You ought to see me and Hannah up here with our two phlegmatic temperaments trying to make decisions. It's not good. I don't know, you think this? Well, I, I guess I like that. Do you like that? Well, other people like it. Yeah, but I like this one too. 
What if we do this? Yeah, we could do that, but what if we just did this instead? And it's just honestly, uh, it's, it's terrible. And I mean, literally, we know it's terrible, but it's just that's how we are. We need, we need Chad Gross to come in. We need Melanie Haley to come in and say, no, look, here it is. Go with this color. Go with this thing. There. What's the next thing? All right. Get it done. And they can get it done. But man, what if you know, we, we do a lot of what ifs? Clerics don't do a lot of what ifs. It's just like, get it done. It's a blessing. Uh, so, uh, uh, getting it done. Uh, another, one good thing about uh, clerics, they, they give structure, uh, direction, determination. Uh, a cleric parent, a cleric mom or dad, uh, one of the things they, they really help instill in their kids is they, they, don't, they don't want laziness. They want kids that are, that are uh, industrious, that are dutiful, that gets the job done. A, a choleric parent, uh, listen, if you're trying to get something over on a choleric parent, you're going to have a hard time doing it because they care enough to say, uh, wait a second. They care enough to ask an extra question. Um, man, it's, it's all, I, I'm so thankful for, you know, again, God puts people together, but uh, uh, with, with my wife and I, see, I, I've just got a tendency. I'm natural. It's, it's part of the sanguine part. And it's part of that part, a little bit of the phlegmatic part, too. You tell me something, I'm inclined to believe it. I am, I have more of a tendency to give, uh, give someone the benefit of the doubt. You know what? That's a strength. But let me tell you something. It's also a big weakness because people have been able to pull things over on me. But a cleric is not exactly that way. They're looking behind and they're saying, wait, they're asking questions. They don't necessarily take everything at face value. And uh, so with, uh, if you would believe, I'm not to say that our kids have ever tried, any of our kids have ever tried to get anything over on us. <laughs> but they have. They're kids, right? Uh, and I'm not saying all kids just have to do it, but I think a lot of kids do. Uh, you know what? If you want to get something over on somebody, look right here. I'm the one to get something over on, all right? But you're not going, going to get something over on mom because if, if you do, it's, you're, you're going to have to work really hard to do it because she's got questions. She's thinking, huh, something's not quite right here, and she'll, she'll get down to the bottom of it. And another thing I'll just say there on the parenting side of things, and I'll get Ralph's question or comment, is that, uh, you know, with us two, if, you had, if, if my kids are gone at a given time, and usually, if, if you ask me where they are, I can generally answer that question. Uh, but one question I really usually do have a hard time answering is this. What time are they going to be home? Now, I don't know. Did you tell them what time to be home? No. Uh, are they, I mean, who are they with? Uh, there's all things I didn't take time to think about. Uh, but thank God for, I mean, I'll just say this. Uh, if you come into our house, our house is generally, our house is a, is a neat, clean, orderly, structured place, uh, as much as it can be with me and some of the other kids living in it. Uh, but that's because it would just be a mess without Melanie around um, because she adds this structure, she adds this care. Um, and I'll, I'll get your question here, Ralph.
do the right thing different ways. Help, help, give me some more. I guess I'm having a hard time thinking of a. Yeah, maybe phlegmatic, maybe sanguine. I, because here's the cool thing about these is that even though it is more natural for a choleric just to be able to get it done and get it done right, other temperaments along the way, especially when you're in a trade or you're doing things that um, there, you can't really go through life too successfully with some of these other temperaments if you just let those weaknesses dominate. So you learn to get things done. Um, and so it, that could be maybe phlegmatic or even sanguine or something. Um, well, the, the, I know that the choleric is all about the straight, straightest, shortest, quickest route uh, to get from point A to point B. Um, that's definitely choleric. It's like, what's the best way? What's the quickest way? Um, whatever the case may be. Um, so that would probably be, uh, it, could, it could be sanguine or phlegmatic. Melancholy usually is pretty meticulous about how things ought to be done. And if there's a, a, if there's a big gas saving deal uh, involved, maybe melancholy will go this certain way. Uh, but phlegmatic and sanguine, they're more, you know, just like, oh, let's go see the countryside. Choleric doesn't care really all that much about the countryside. <laughs> uh, the, the countryside, looking out the window is a distraction to getting where we're going, you know. And uh, furthermore, if they're an industrious type person, they may, the, may be the type of person, say if they're, if they're a businessman as a cleric, they'll be riding down the road. If they're a developer, you know, you're looking at all these beautiful fields and hills. All they're seeing is developments. All they're seeing is a business park. Somebody could put a business park right there, exit right here. I mean, you know, that's, that they see things differently. Uh, but a couple other cool things about clerics is that uh, clerics are faithful. Clerics are steady. Uh, I talked about the willpower, but uh, I don't know. As far as I, I mean, again, all these all these temperaments have their strengths, they have their weaknesses. But the Lord knows uh, that I'm thankful to. I talk some. I talk a lot of times about how much I appreciate my wife in the ministry. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that. For one thing, she doesn't complain. Uh, but but I think but I've had experiences, and pe believe me, people that move from down south, uh, from North Carolina, South Carolina, maybe other places, I don't know. But I, I've got the question from people before, and I suppose there's a reason, at least in the way that people think. But they'll say, you know, they'll find out from North Carolina. Well, what are you doing here? We go to North Carolina for vacation, or we go to South Carolina. You know, that's we like to go down there. You know, to Virginia or wherever. Why would you be in uh, the middle of South Dakota. Well, uh, we, we love it in the middle of South Dakota for because this is where God's placed placed us and where God has put us. But one of the one of the things that have caused a lot of men that have come here or either to other countries as missionaries to start churches and stuff to come off the field is they've got wives that just can't hack it. They've got wives that just can't hack it, and so. Uh, but I'm telling you, a cleric can hack it. A cleric can do it. Did we start it? Well, yeah. Well, let's finish it. Let's get it done. Well, it's hard. So what? That's, <laughs> that's just a little detail. I'm not too concerned with that detail. Let's get it done. Um, just, just faithful, just steady, just right at it. Uh, I'll say a couple other cool things to me about a 
uh, choleric temperament. There's a bunch, of, but just a couple of these little things is that a choleric is not easy flatter, easily flattered. Uh, I told you that one of the things that's gotten me to dig deeper into the choleric is that how that Tim LaHaye, which to me did just a great book on this subject, but, you know, it's not a complete book on the subject, but it's a good book on the subject. But one of the things that he says that I probably disagree with more than anything else I've read in there is that he says there's, that there's not many choleric women which is just wrong. Uh, but I just talked about how that oftentimes this world doesn't accept the, some, of the, some of the characteristics of a cleric woman. So sometimes a, a woman with a cleric temperament can feel out of place and she can feel like, uh, almost like she's wrong for having, being the way that God made her. Uh, but she's not, amen? That's one of the things that's gotten me to dug, dig into this that I do believe there's just as many cleric women as there are any other temperament. But one of the cool things about uh, a choleric woman, and they may, I could see Tim LaHaye saying they're rare, I don't know, because here's one of the things I think about. I think about, uh, sorry, believe it or not, I'm trying to stop and think. Here's the thing, I'll stop and try to think about what I'm about to say, but it's right there and I just can't think of anything else to say. Um, let's just say that a lot of women are easily flattered. Right? At least the stereotypically, right? Uh, you can tell them how beautiful they are, tell them how smart they are, tell them how good they smell, how good their hair looks, and all that stuff. And, you know, uh, a lot of them just, uh, just you, can, you can influence them a lot that way. This sounds really weird. Okay, but let me get to where I'm trying to go. Uh, man, I remember that was one of the things that, that, attracted, that, uh, that attracted me like crazy to Melanie was that uh, with other girls, um, I, had a lot, I had a lot of friend girls in high school, okay? I'm kind of talking about myself here. In other words, I didn't call too many of these girls my girlfriends, you know, because I just like girls. This, this one, she might think I'm her boyfriend, but I'm not. We're just, we're just talking, you know? Uh, but I, I, you know, but I, I, I liked that. But so, I met Melanie, let me tell you, the, the moment I saw her, I, I mean, you can believe it or not, but I'm telling you, man, I was just about head over heels from the time I met her. But here's the thing. Man, I like this girl. Hey, girl, you look so fine, and this and that. <laughs> Melanie? Whatever. Honey, you are the best-looking thing I've ever seen. Okay? Like, wow, this girl. I mean, this stuff don't work on her. Uh, and... Uh, but, but she's not easily flattered, which, which is a blessing, amen? Uh, cholerics are, uh, you, you say, <laughs> the, the, because what it is, is, I mean, there, there, there's something in there that's, uh, that you've got to be real with, amen? And you've got you to work for. Now, it's not that she doesn't appreciate things like that. Maybe it is. But no, but the, but the main thing is, is that's not as important. It's like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but if you really mean that, another time if you want to say Jesus as a choleric statement that my wife has used oftentimes when Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Don't just tell me about how much you love me. Don't just go tell everybody else how much you love me. Show me. Show me. Do. Remember, cholerics, do. Doria. Yeah, which is, and that is more of a phlegmatic or a sanguine way, but. That is a choleric way to be about things. Um, and, and there again, we all have a certain part of that. And I encourage you, you've got to take the test and just see what it comes out. There's a couple different ones you can do. But that, that, is, a, that is choleric. I mean, to say what she is saying there. I mentioned there's one person in charge here, and it's me. Huh, you think we do it, do it this way? No, we're doing it this way. Can we have a discussion? Why? I've already told you the right way. 
Uh, you know, so that, that is a choleric way to be now, whether or not that's, whether or not that's, a, that's that percentage of choleric rising up, which I believe it's that. I believe that's a part of it, and I believe also there's times, like as a pastor, uh, when I talk about the weaknesses of phlegmatic and sanguine, you know, which is what my main temperaments are, if I gave in to all the, all the weaknesses, and if I, just was, if, I, if I just lived a straight, stereotypical, sanguine, phlegmatic life, you would not know my name today, okay? So, for one thing, God's had to get control of my spirit, help those weaknesses, but then also, there's been times to where there's, there is a call for things that are out of my norm, like, you know, maybe not to the extent of, hey, I'm the one in charge, but there sometimes is as a path. The Bible tells me as a pastor that I am going to give an account for what takes place in this church. What's taught here, what's sung here, what's preached here, who preaches here. Uh, I'm going to give an account for that one day. So therefore, uh, if I'm going to be the one to give an account to that, if I'm going to have to answer for that, then that also means I need to have a say in that, right? And that's where the Bible, uh, the Bible, t one of the one of the titles that we don't we don't use very often for a pastor is bishop, and that's kind of what the title of bishop means. We don't use it because it it's taken on a negative connotation in the religious, you know, or a whole different type of starchy religious world. But it is a biblical term, and I am the bishop here. Uh, so as the bishop, that is, the bishop does not fit sanguine and uh, uh, phlegmatic very well. Uh, but there's times I have to say, you know what, uh, hey, I can't just go along to get along. I've got to take a stand here and say, no, this is, we are not teaching this. Uh, we're not using this material. We're not, uh, whatever the case may be. And so, but, I, but with you, Doria, that sounds a lot more, if you're comfortable doing that, that definitely sounds like a choleric percentage that you have in you that may not be very right. predominant. That's, that's a good point because the thing, but again, it could still be a part, but since you're predominantly sanguine phlegmatic or phlegmatic sanguine or whatever it may be, then that's where you may be like, you know, feeling exhausted over it, hating that you had to do the confrontation, but there's enough choleric to make you do it, but not enough to make it to where you don't really care. Cause that's again, a plus and a minus of the choleric temperament is they generally don't really care what people think. Again, that's positive, uh, but it can also be negative. They don't, they don't really, yeah, I mean, so thrive, I wouldn't describe it as thriving either, but they're definitely affected differently because it's not that big. Again, it's not as a, it's not a much, it's not a much about personal as much as it is right. Um, you know, in other words, okay, here, here's the balance of the scale. This might hurt your feelings, but this is right. For a choleric, this is right. Oh, sorry. Uh, I got out of the camera. But for a choleric, we probably lost a lot because I stood out of the camera for a while. But anyway, uh, for a choleric, um, it, this is right. That is priority. This is the right thing. Uh, or at least what they perceive to be the right thing. Um, so, so they're a lot more brash. Brash? Yeah. Yes. Um, Decisive and opinionated, uh, they find it. See, uh, I talked about the cleric's making a decision. They'll make a decision. They can make a quick decision for themselves, but if you're a cleric, you also can make decisions for other people. 
this is what you should wear. This is how you should do that. Uh, that's what a cleric does. They, uh, they're not just like, oh, yeah, dude, do your own thing, man. They're like, why are you doing it this way? Why? Uh, and there's a, there's a little bit of uh, melancholy side to that, too. But, but Ralph, or I'm sorry, Ron. Yes. But I'm a cleric myself. Yeah. We really work together. And I'm glad for that cleric that I work for. Amen. And love working Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, that's and that's a Yep. Uh, again, clerics like activity. Um, I I'm not gonna get to this, so I'll just uh, uh, say it uh, here quickly. One of the cool things is I was thinking about this this morning as well. I was thinking about uh, the book of the Bible that probably cholerics can appreciate the most. It's a gospel. Does anybody want to guess which one it is? Mark. Mark. By the time you get to the end of Mark chapter number one, Jesus is already healing the lepers. What are, what are we at when we get into the Matthew chapter one? Um, yeah, genealogies. Uh, it's, uh, Elizabeth and John the Baptist. Uh, you know, Luke chapter 1, a lot of genealogies. John, uh, he gets into some action right away. I mean, Jesus is baptizing, but Mark is straightway, forward, uh, go. I mean, going. Uh, these words, I mean, it's like, okay. So a choleric, you know, uh, we talked about the two extroverted temperaments uh, where uh, sanguine, they're all about the details of a story. Oh, let me tell you. And then they'll go off on a bunch of rabbit trails along the way, and it's kind of convoluted. Uh, and, and it's not that a choleric can't sometimes appreciate a story like that, but by and large, a choleric is, okay, what's the bottom line? What's the bottom line to the story? Let's get, let's get there. Let's get there so we can get on to the next thing. Um, and so I thought that was another little funny as far as Bible concerns. Uh, clerics usually, a lot of times they generally ooze self-confidence. They're goal conscious, goal conscious and can inspire others to envision goals. Uh, consequently, associates may find themselves more productive by following the cleric's lead. Uh, his primary weakness as a leader, we talked about this last week, is that a cleric is hard to please. It's hard to please a cleric. Uh, it's hard to please that uh, particular ter personality. Uh, and that can be hard for some of the other temperaments. Uh, it's hard, to, you know, because we... Uh, Another cool thing I've studied throughout the years I've mentioned before that's helpful is uh, the five love languages, which I know sounds cheesy, but just bear with me, how that, that we all express love different ways. And I talked about one of the ways that, for instance, uh, that I uh, feel love is when, uh, for instance, for my wife, is when she, uh, if she, when she praises me, when she compliments me. There, there's words of affirmation. That just fills my heart up. Uh, physical touch, I mean, just a, a, a hug, a kiss, a, a handhold. A, uh, I mean, it's just funny, all right? But see, but what, what do you think, as a choleric, what do you think probably one of the greatest love languages? The love languages are uh, acts of service. Okay, that's the one. All right, we'll just stop right there. Acts of service. Uh, if you don't know much about that, we're not doing the love languages right now, but I just found it interesting. Uh, a, a choleric acts of service. If you want to show your choleric loved one how much you love them, if you, want to, if you want to impress your choleric boss, you don't sit around and say, man, you're the best boss ever. Man, I've never met a CEO like you. No, just shut up and get your job done. All right? If you, if you, want, to, if you want to show love to your choleric loved one, do something for them. Find something some way to help out, some way to serve. It'd probably be better if you're doing it while they're, if you do it while they're not watching, 
because you're not going to do it right. Uh, but if ultimately you did it, at least uh, they can appreciate uh, that. But it's just interesting how this can help in these ways. Uh, I just want to hit a couple other little things if I can find some things I got underlined here uh, before we, since we are kind of running out of time. Uh, oh, okay, here's one thing. Uh, one of the things that, that clerics need to learn how to do is to delegate a little bit more. It's hard for a, a cleric to delegate. Uh, and, uh, and versus a sanguine or phlegmatic. Now, this, is one of, this has been one of the funny things in our marriage as well. How many of you ever seen Old Yeller? You remember Old Yeller? Now, you've seen it, but I don't know how much you remember it. I remember Old Yeller pretty well because I watched it when I was a kid. Then we had kids, and they're not that old, and we watched it with them. Do y'all remember the Do y'all remember the lazy neighbor of uh, the the family? Okay, if you don't, he was a lazy neighbor. Most of the people were out. Her husband was off, like you know, uh, working cattle, you know, going across the country or whatever. Uh, maybe there's people in the war. I can't even remember what all was going on with the setting. But I remember this man was at home, and he would come over and he would shake on his neighbor, which was a nice thing to do. And really, he would come over and eat and drink whatever she might have. But he would come, and he says. He'd see her plowing or he'd see work she needs done around the house. And he says, well, ma'am, do you need some help with that? And she just looks a little surprised. And she says, well, you know what? I'd appreciate that very much. And he says, okay, Elizabeth. He'd holler at his daughter. <laughs> and his daughter, would, he would leave her to plow or he'd leave her to help. And, and uh, we, we laughed so many times. I can't tell you the, the times that I, and I, without even thinking about it. Melanie, would you like some help with that? Well, sure, that'd be good. Evans, come help your mom. I mean, it's just the way I do. I'm a good delegator, all right? We'll just say that. But clerics aren't good delegators. The biggest reason why is you're, the other person's probably not going to do it right. So as a result of that, they just end up doing everything themselves. Now, here's the struggle. Here's the struggle if you're a cleric or if you have a cleric you work for or that's a loved one. They end up doing it themselves, and they don't want you doing it because you can't do it right, but they still get mad at you because you didn't do it. Right? Uh, do something. Okay, I'm going to do this. Don't do that. You don't do it right. Go do something else, you know? It was like, ah, again, uh, on, the, on the pleasing side of it, if you're trying to please a cleric, man, uh, you, I'll say this. If you're trying to please a cleric, you need to get a good sense of humor. Whether it's a boss, whether it's a loved one, you need to learn to laugh some stuff off. Okay, I've done good this whole lesson. Here at the end, I'll get myself in trouble. But, uh, but here's one of the things that you got to, that's tough for a cleric and I, that I would try to encourage you on as well as far as trying to get, learn to delegate. But also, man, um, clerics, more than any other temperament, have a tendency to overwork themselves. They don't get moderation when it comes to work. Uh, I can get moderation when it comes to work. I can be like, you know, I mean, <laughs> she just laughs at me. Well, this ain't about me because I'm not choleric, but it's just still, it's just funny how that, uh, hey, there's work to get done. Okay, cool. Uh, well, I'm going to go to the gym, and uh, then I'll come home and get it done. Come home. Hey, did you get that done yet? Sorry, no, I forgot. I sat down for a snack and turned the TV on and totally forgot about it. Comes by later, you get that done? No, sorry, I ran the kids up to the store and, and totally got distracted and forgot. Because after all, they can wait till tomorrow, but not for a cleric. A cleric is, get it, and the thing is, is they have a tendency to overwork themselves. They don't, they don't know uh, 
you know, I, I, I fell at work. He, he often says, he said, he said he's had a boss that said, hey, he's, he's phlegmatic. He's had a boss say, hey, can't you pick up the pace a little bit? We need to get, and, he's, and he says, man, if you don't like the, the pace I'm working, he said, if you don't like this pace, you're sure as heck not going to like the other pace. Because it's either this or it's nothing. But with the choleric, it's the other way around. It is, they work, they'll work themselves to death. They work so hard, they'll work themselves sick. Uh, I mean, they will not stop. Which, again, can, in a sense, be a weakness. But I want to say that, um, I don't know. I got to be careful. My wife doesn't like attention, and I, and I have a hard time not giving it to her because I like attention, so I have a hard time understanding that she don't like attention. But... Um, but it's impressive. I'll just say this. Uh, man, clerics are pretty tough. Very tough people. So tough-minded. I mean, they can have an illness. They're, they're those people that have a sickness, have an illness. But just like anything else, they're determined. They, they don't like to lose. So they, they're determined not to lose. They're going to fight. Uh, so to me, uh, some of those ways about my wife are very heroic to me. Uh, when I see just like, how in the world do you just not quit? How do you get hit and hit again? Uh, the Apostle Paul, I didn't even get to all this i got to get to, and I know I'm going a few minutes over. But the Apostle Paul, he was saved by God's grace. He got up, and remember, he was choleric, so he's, he gets out. He starts getting the job done, Ron. He gets out there. He's getting after it. He starts getting up and preaching. I believe he was at Lyconium, and they did not appreciate his message. So you remember what they did? They stoned him. They stoned him, uh, and, uh, and, you know, we believe that he probably actually died and was brought back to life, but regardless of that, this man preaches. He's doing something. He gets stoned for it. What does a choleric do? A choleric drags himself out from under a pile of rubble and stones and gets up, and guess what he goes to doing? Preaching. Doing what he was doing before. I'm not stopping. There's a job to be done. There's something to be done for God. Yeah, but it's hard. Don't care. There's persecution. Don't care. Uh, you know, you're ill. Doesn't matter. Uh, people aren't cooperating. Well, that's frustrating, but I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep at it. Um, and so that's some of the awesome things there. Uh, I'm not going to give time for open questions since I went over, but if you've got any, please come see me, and uh, we'll, we'll, uh, maybe, maybe we'll move on to uh, phlegmatic or melancholy next week. All right. God bless you. You're dismissed.